Welcome to the Field Trip Podcast. I'm Kara Platoni. I'm Eric Simmons. And I'm Lo Shu. And in this show, we're going to check out some injured and recovering marine mammals. And by check out, we mean analyze as potential prey. No, Eric. You're sure? No, we're going to a marine mammal rescue center. Eric, put away the shark mask and stop grinning like that. Anyway, let's go on the field trip. Lo, where are you? A zoo? No, and they would probably be upset if we called it a zoo. This is actually the Marine Mammal Center in Sosalito, California. And it's basically a hospital for sea animals. So, Lo, tell us a little bit more about the Marine Mammal Center. I've never been, because as you all know, when it comes to choosing between sharks and pinnipeds, I'm rooting for the sharks. I thought you were rooting for the fish. All fish, Kara. I'm just not overly fond of mammals. Actually, the people here really care about marine mammals. The center is actually a hospital. It's a pretty sweet spot right next to the beach in the Merida Headlands. It smells like fish everywhere you go, except maybe for the gift shop and the coal center. They do sanitize everything, though. I think the fish smells are just really hard to get rid of. Outside, there are a number of pens with pools. Those are like the animal hospital rooms. Right now, I see one of the surgeons spraying the pen with a hose to flush the blood out, and... Oh, no, what kind of animal makes that sound? That's a sea lion. Or an elephant seal. I can't never remember the difference. Which has never been a problem for Tamara Thomas, an education volunteer. So California sea lions, they have long flippers, and they have those little ear flaps. Where an elephant seal, he's got short little flippers, so he crawls along on his belly. He's not able to walk on those flippers. Now, size-wise, an elephant seal is going to get much larger than a California sea lion. A male elephant seal can weigh up to 4,500 pounds. So what's cranked up this particular elephant seal? It sounds so peeved. Well, this seal has been either bitten or shot, and he had amputation surgery. Seals and sea lions are not endangered, but they get in all kinds of trouble. Here's Jim Oswalt, the center's PR manager. Uh, the main reasons why these animals strand are kind of the big three, what I call the big three, malnutrition, uh, entanglements in ocean trash that cause harm and injury, and also, unfortunately, human factors such as gunshot wounds, uh, harassments on beaches, etc. And then there's always, there's actually a fourth one, which is illnesses such as toxic algae poisoning that causes, you know, very colossal type seizures. Wait! Why would someone shoot a seal? Some would say they're just bad neighbors. They're loud, they don't smell good, they hang out on people's boats, just pooping everywhere. That also smells like fish. And anywhere, they're really hard to move. Others, like fishermen, for example, may feel like they're competing against sea lions or seals for fish. Shooting them is illegal, and these animals are protected by the state of California, but sometimes it still happens. So what does a day look like at this place? So when I arrive, it's breakfast time at the hospital. The Friday day crew of volunteers waiting for me in the kitchen, and it really smells like fish. I think I see a theme here. Carol Wilson, one of the volunteers, sees the look on my face. Yeah, whatever clothes you wear here, you can't ever wear anywhere else. (laughs) They smell like... Are you kidding? Wilson has volunteered at the center for the last decade. It's really hands-on. I do amazing things. I give shots to animals. I... 
I have taught countless elephant seals how to eat fish or gotten to help do that. Um, I've done, um, gotten to draw blood when animals die. We draw blood out of their hearts. We do what's called a heart stick um, because they need the blood for research purposes and I've gotten to do that. And so what do you do in everyday life? Um, I teach in a law school. <laughs> so it's way different. Working with sea lions is nothing like working with law students. While she talks, she's also preparing the fish, usually herring, in this huge industrial-looking kitchen. The volunteers take big bricks of frozen fish out of the freezer, thaw them, and sort them out. They sort through the fish to make sure there are no lacerations. The smallest cut could have bacteria in it and could cause harm to the animals. The unwanted fish goes in the grinder. So now breakfast is ready. The fish is carried in metal buckets to the pens. But remember, this is a hospital, and some of these animals do need medication. There is a medfish, and you can tell it's the medfish because the end of the fish is cut off, so we know that that's the medfish, and we also put a little cap on it that had the pills in it, and the pills are stuffed inside. So the, you know, we have to make sure that the animal gets that particular fish, and if for some reason it didn't eat it, we would know it didn't because the tail's cut off. All right. All right, let's do it. I'm wearing ugly rubber boots provided by the Marion Mellow Center, and the volunteers are all wearing slickers. They're rubbery fisherman overalls, also not a fashion statement. Tamara, the education volunteer, says there's a medical reason for this. We don't want to contaminate from one pen to the other since our patients can have things that are diseases that can be caught by one versus the other. So we wear gloves, we always yeah. wear boots, and we yeah. wear our slickers. Uh-huh. We, we also all have to step in a solution of hydrogen peroxide before going in and out of the pens and from the pen areas to other areas of the center. So what we're going to do is we've got our animal here, which is Falano, and he's a California sea lion. And we're going to feed him this morning one and three quarters kilograms of fish. So our vets go through each patient's chart and they put in there how much they're going to get to eat each day. And so we're doing breakfast. How do they pick the names? So the person who calls in the rescue when we see this animal sick, injured, hurt somewhere, they get to name that animal. They get to name that patient. Some of the animals I saw that day had names like wolverines or bandicoot, but they also have other means of identification. Everybody's also got a tag on them, and it's an orange tag, and you can see it's on the front flipper, which numbers on it, 27502, which will identify that patient. We'll always stay with that patient. So if he came in again, we would know it was Falano. So it's one thing to see Wolverine and Bandicoot from the outside of the pen, but then we open the door. So we're going to go into the pen right now, and everybody has to have a board to go in to protect themselves. Should I remain behind the board? Yeah, you want to always be behind the board. All right. Sea lions are really fast, and they have teeth, mm-hmm. and they bite. The wooden boards look like riot shields. They have bite marks all over them. Okay. And then we're going to go in the, in the pen with our boards. There are two reasons for throwing fish in the water. One, it distracts the animal from us while we enter the pen. Two, it keeps them sharp. Remember that these animals aren't pets. They're patients, and they'll eventually return to the ocean where they will have to hunt and fish in the water. So now Drew's gonna just toss in handfuls of fish. (laughs) 
move the bucket? Yeah, I did. <laughs> okay. So you just went in a pen with a bunch of animals that are literally trying to bite the hands that feed them. And here's my question. Why bother? These are wounded wild animals. And as we all know, we're living in a spot where wounded marine mammals are food, not friends. Uh, you know, I'm acknowledging I'm partial to the predators here, but... Still, isn't saving these things kind of just like messing with the food chain? Uh, you know, sea lions aren't endangered. And especially with the sick or non-human injured ones, aren't we just wrenching them from the bleeding jaws of the deserving? Wait, Eric, are, are you just against the entire concept of medicine? We should leave the sick and the injured to be eaten by something bigger? Well, when it comes to non-endangered, non-human animals, yeah. So actually, Eric... I asked Jim about this. The reason why we rescue these animals is it's a humane response. These animals strand on uh, area beaches and other spots for a reason. Either illnesses, in some cases that might be caused by human activities, ocean trash entanglements, gunshot wounds, and other bad things that happen to marine mammals as a result of humans. On top of that, these animals' food supply is depleting because of overfishing and pollution. But human responsibility aside, the center also does scientific research that directly contributes to human medical science. Some of these animals come with cancers and illnesses that can also affect humans. The algae bloom that are a danger to marine mammals are the same ones that keeps us from eating oysters during certain seasons. And we know that thanks to the research conducted by the Marine Mammal Center. While we're checking out the fish in the kitchen, Jim tells me a bit more about it. You know, we get uh, animals, uh, California sea lions in particular, suffering from what's called demoic acid poisoning. It's toxic algae, basically. So these animals eat the fish that have eaten that algae, right? But then the animals become sick. But also, um, it, it makes them disoriented. So pretty soon you hear about sea lions ending up on highways in the Central Valley, for instance. We'll get rescue calls, you know. Uh, we, got a, a, we see a sea lion out on uh, I-80, for instance. Yeah. All right, Eric, back to your favorite topic, sharks. In particular, shark bites. I found out that one of the center's patients was a shark bite victim. So I had to go check this out. She is, uh, she's got a shark bite wound. She's got a really big, open, gaping wound where her, uh, her basically her insides are exposed. So uh, they are pretty resilient, California sea lions. But that said, that cannot feel good at all. So we're going to help her feel good and heal at the same time. When we get to the surgical center, I ask the center's surgeon. His name is Bill Von Bonn. What they plan on doing with Athena. If we were to close that all up, it would get infected and fester inside and be worse. So mm. it, we're going to have to treat it as an open wound, mm. meaning we leave it open like this. We know that it's open and exposed. Mm. And then we uh, try to prevent any complications from that. And the complications are obviously things like uh, infection that get, we can't get under control um, or tissue dying that uh, is going to become a problem for the animal down the road. And that's what we're going to have to take a look at here in a few seconds. You know. Wow. So they're actually doing surgery on the animals here. Yes, but that's only if they absolutely have to. They try to treat the infected wound with antibiotics first, and if they're malnourished, they try to get them back to their ideal weight. So then what happens? Well, if the animal has a clean bill of health and it can't survive on its own, they release it. Of course, they keep track of the ones they've released, thanks to the little orange tag Tamara mentioned earlier. I've been to a release once. 
they bring the animal to the beach in a massive dock kennel, open the door, and wait for the animal to go to the water. It's surprisingly emotional. And then they just swim away? Yep. Any of the animals swimming up and down the California coast right now might have been patients at the Marion Mammal Center. Just look out for an orange tag. Sticking out of a shark's mouth. Eric, you're impossible. Thanks for joining us for a special Summer Dispatches edition of the Field Trip Podcast. We'll be back next week with a new one from somewhere else on the planet. Our behind-the-scenes team includes producer Casey Miner, composer Andrew Sutherland, and illustrator Mike Smith. Special thanks to this week's reporter, Lo Benichu. Thanks. And as always, thanks to Jim Richards, Jeremy Rue, the UC Berkeley Graduate School of Journalism, and science nerds everywhere. If you'd like to hear past episodes, you can download our podcast for free on iTunes or from our website, fieldtrippodcast.com. Keep an eye on our Twitter feed for more updates. We're at Field Trip Log. I'm Eric Simmons. I'm Carol Platoni. And we will see you next time on the Field Trip Podcast.